Welcome to another episode of Planning Phase Syndicate. Thank you so much for joining us, everyone. We um, essentially are recording episode two live. So if you are watching this on Twitch right now, you're going to get to see all of our friendly faces as we are learning our software and creating a brand new episode for you tonight. So tonight, what we're going to do is we're going to have... Um, kind of a fun show. So we're going to get into a couple different um, types of segments that we usually do. One of them is going to be called um, our Academy 101. We're going to also do a roll call that will also be kind of partnered a little bit with our Academy 101. We're going to intro our new one that says what turns my dials and our buddy Charles here in a few, few minutes is going to actually get to tell everybody what turns his dials. We're going to do another Construct the Death Star, and that is what we call, in the beginning, there was Boba. Welcome to the show, everyone. Hi, Charles. Hi, Matt. Glad to see the two of you and your friendly little faces tonight. How's it going, man? Ugh. Hey, Chris. Yeah, how was your, how was your, your guys' weeks? I think we've talked, like, I don't know, seven or eight times this week <laughs> apiece, and I know I hung out with Matt on Friday, and... I believe I hung out with Matt on Wednesday too, but I'm not sure. It was a long night, long time ago. But how are you guys? Hanging yeah, well, in there and excited. kicking the tires, lighting the fires, man. <laughs> is that, is that well, how that it works? Fair well, enough. Yeah, excited about um, being able to hang out with you on uh, Friday. Uh, if you guys don't know or haven't been following, uh, Planning Face Syndicate uh, had its very first. Uh, in-person event, which actually was mostly just like basically a local league night here in Grand Rapids area. Um, so if you're ever interested, uh, do watch Facebook. I am going to start opening that up to a live audience, and hopefully we can get some more people uh, joining in. Cool, yeah, and this week with it being, we're recording this uh, again in advance on Memorial Day, so um, we had to get build, build up a little bit of uh, show people, you know, shows for everybody to watch, and Again, if you're lucky enough to actually tune into our Twitch while we're streaming this, we're testing all over different equipment and trying to make sure that our equipment works. But tonight we're going to do our first Academy 101 um, where we actually get to kind of go into different things. So, for example, I believe um, Matt, well, our agenda is set up in planning phase, correct? Yes, I get to be the first lucky, lucky person to try this, of course, for the very first time. So... Yay. And yes, setup phase Yay. and planning phase yep. of uh, of uh, X-Wing is what we're going to talk about. Would you like me to take it away, or did you want us still with the intro, sir? Well, let's go back to our in-person event real quick, and I, and I want, we're going to we're gonna do this, and in case we get any live viewers randomly watching, or when we release these episodes, so there's two ways you can connect with us. You can find us on Facebook, and you can send us a Facebook message. Um, we're planning phase syndicate. You can also head over to our Discord, and you can message us on Discord. Links are all on Facebook. And if you would like to, you're more than welcome to um, send us an email at planningphasesyndicate at gmail.com. And Matt has some really cool tokens that he has made. And what we're going to do is, throughout the episode, and if, if nobody signs up this week, we'll do it next week, but anybody that will go to our Discord, jump in our Discord, Sign up for Twitch for notifications and sign up for channel. If you could do all three of those, we're going to give away 
the first four or first three people were going to give away a set of four unique tokens. And man, if you can show everybody the tokens, that would be amazing. If you have them. Yep, so these are custom-made tokens that Matt has actually made himself that are Darth Vader's that have different little symbols on them. So some of them are stress symbols. Uh, no, one of them is a... These are, uh, these are uniques. These are... Uh, so, yeah, as I'm gonna, these are the failures, if you will, but also very good, very usable tokens, but these are not what I'm going to be selling. So, uh, as a bonus, these are all for giving away. So if you guys yes. happen to be there, these are unique, never going to be made tokens that you will be the only ones to get. Literally, the only people that I will send these tokens to who will have ever received them will be these people. Awesome. And so we thought we'd do like a little giveaway because, again, if you want to go to our Patreon and sponsor us, we have different tiers and different gift levels that will be given away. But tonight, this is all just free stuff. All you got to do is like and subscribe. That's it. And, you know, just send us a notification and say, hey, I did these three steps. And there we go. We'll be able to um, essentially give that to you guys. With that being said, um, Charles is prepping for his best spin. Charles has a list. Uh, and, and so if, if, if Charles would like to, we can at some point on the show go through different lists that we are using to prep for. But really, the point of our show is to talk about, you know, how to play X-Wing, right? So to begin with, we're going to do our Academy 101 phase where Matt and Charles are going to talk a little bit about setup. Excellent. Um, well, um, I would real quick. Did, Charles, did you have anything crazy this week that you wanted to talk about real quick? I'm so sorry. We kind of monopolized. Well, I, just, I am a glutton for punishment and signed up for Bespin, which is in the uh, Australian time zone. Um, so I'm going to try a six-round overnight tournament of X-Wing. That's going to be... Wonderful, but I believe I will be the only person flying the list that I'm going to fly, so that is interesting. We'll see how nice. it goes. Good to have a unique list, man. And glutton for punishment you are, man. Wow. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to be awake anyway. I might as well be doing something productive. All right, so... I guess it's time to talk setup. So, welcome to Academy 101. I will be your flight instructor this evening. Uh, we're going to start with uh, we're going to start with a setup here. So, uh, setup consists of, of multiple different things, but we're going to just kind of take it down to the basics and do my best. Now, there are going to be some things that are missed here, uh, but basically, we uh, take your list, uh, which will consist of however many points. Uh, if you are uh, up to 200 points, so you're, you can set a list as, as few as, I guess, probably 25 points, I think is as low as you could possibly go, maybe 22, uh, all the way up to 200. Uh, the number of points you are less than 200 is what would be considered a bid, and you'd use that bid to determine who would go first. Uh, so, for instance, if I have a list that's 200 and Chris has a list that's 196, uh, Chris would get to choose who would go first. Uh, that's player one. So basically in setup, you have uh, three obstacles that you bring. They can be three different obstacles. Now they must be three unique obstacles. They can't be the same. Uh, you'll have, you could have it be three different types. It could be a gas cloud, an asteroid, uh, and also debris. Or you could bring three debris, three asteroids, or three gas clouds. Again, 
Doesn't matter as long as they're a different one or a different picture on each one of each. Okay. Now, when you place obstacles, anybody can place any obstacles. So player one brings some obstacles and the second player brings their set of obstacles. You can set all three of your opponent's obstacles if you'd like. That is completely up to you. Obstacles must be placed two from the board edge and one, uh, and this is, uh, I'm sorry, a range ruler, not like a movement ruler. So two from any edge and then one from any other obstacle in the field. All right, I think that kind of covers obstacles. And then what we're gonna talk about is putting down ships. Now there is, a, of course, a, a whole thing to obstacles we'll get into later. Uh, there's also a whole thing to ships. We'll get into that later as well. Uh, Chris, if you wouldn't mind switching over to TTS uh, so we can kind of bring that up. Yep, there you go. All right, so... um. He I'll give it a guys. second it'll load the yeah give me just a minute guys sorry we you know switching over uh here so tts uh we're, we're going to talk about pl ship placement right so ship placement is done in initiative order sending initiative or order all the way from one to six okay so when you start you will put down all your ones and then so i let me let me re let me let me rewind that just a little bit the player that chooses to be player one or it gets chosen to be player one those, those are two options, obviously. Uh, puts their ones down first, and then player two, the second player, would then choose to put all their range one ships down. So actually, as you look at these ships now, you should be able to see them on the screen. I, am I correct, Chris? All right, excellent. If yes. you're looking at the screen yep. here, you'll notice that this these are all, all six of the same ship. They're all the FO. They're all different pilots, though. And they all have a different initiative order. So even though they're the same, what we call chassis or type of ship, they all have different initiatives. This one right here, for instance, the Epsilon Squadron Cadet has an initiative of one. You'll notice it right here in the corner. Initiative two on the Zeta Squadron Pilot. Initiative three here on the Omega Squadron Ace. Four here on um, Mr. Scorch there. And then Commander Malarus is a five. And then you got Midnight, who is a six. So what you would do is you'd place the one down, and then you'd place the two down, three, four, so on and so forth, giving time for your opponent to place the corresponding number at the exact same time. So you can place your one, two, and three. Let's say they don't have but a four or a five or a six or something like that. You place your one, two, and three, and your four if you have initiative, then they would do the four. Five on your side, five on their side, six on your side, six on their side. You kind of get it. We'll kind of go over it a little bit more in detail. We'll do it a little bit more live for you guys here in a second. Um, so that's kind of the setup phase. Basically, you want to set your ships up with a one range ruler from your edge of the board. The one exception to this, uh, and I actually didn't learn this right away, so thank you, Charles, for teaching me this one, uh, is when you have a large base. A large base can be placed beyond the edge of range one as long as one of the edges is touching the edge of the board. So if you put a large base ship at a diagonal or an angle other than of course 90 degrees, you or zero, whichever way you want to look at it, point of that ship could extend past the range one of the range ruler. So that allows that. Okay, Charles, uh, would you assist me in setting this up really quick? Absolutely. I'd be more than happy to, sir. All right. 
So uh, Charles has a 196-point list, and I have a 200-point list. Uh, so we do have some initiatives in the same. Would you like to go first, or would, uh, since you have the bid, would you like to choose to go first or be player one, or would you like me to be player one? You have a four, a five, and two sixes. I have two sixes as well and a five. So your four goes. Based on what I have, I am going to want to move second um, because with Fenrau, I want to be able to see where you're going so that I can adjust and try to stay out of your arc. Uh, so beings that I have the bid, I'm choosing you to be first player and I will be second player. Okay. And just so everybody watching, I, I went ahead and threw up the over. Um, so Charles will be on the left and Matt be on the right. Just so that if anybody's paying attention, you'll be able to see that. For some reason, our TTS is not loading the rulers. Um, I could do it by hand. So, um, assuming this will work. Okay, so, like I said, it has to be two from the edge. Okay, somebody else is able to. That's good news. Okay, so if you look at this grid here, actually. It gives you, if you're playing in TTS, one of the advantages of playing on virtual tabletop is, is that you don't have to uh, to have anything in, uh, you know, you, it shows the, this nice grid for you. All right, so I'm player one, so I'm going to choose my opponent's big obstacle here. Uh, as you notice, he brought uh, two debris clouds and a big asteroid. I'm going to set it right there for him. I'm going to lock it down, and it's his turn. And then we'll just kind of quickly place these obstacles. There's no real. So yes. that. Yep. So just so so on TTS, the one thing I want to make comment of um, before you, Charles gets too happy dappy there a second, buddy, is um, if you notice on TTS, you're seeing a white line. So go closer to one of the other obstacles. There you go. So see how that white line. So there, it, you're. When you play X-Wing, you're going to have measurement sticks, and obviously we have them for free on here. But on the measurement side of things, that white line signifies that one space difference that you must have between your op obstacles. Right. Otherwise, everybody plays them in a clump. That last one goes to Charles, <laughs> and then we will be ready to do our next one. All right. Somebody hit the next rulers for me. For some reason, mine isn't working. I got you. Thank you. All right. So as go. I discussed before, uh, right here is the uh, is the one range from the edge, and now we're gonna we're gonna place ships. So as I'm player one, I will place any of my initiative ones first, which I have none. An initiative two next, which I don't have any of, and neither does Charles. Sorry, I don't have any ones. He doesn't have any ones. I don't have any twos. He doesn't have any twos. I don't have any threes. He doesn't have any threes. I have Correct. a four. So my four is going to go down next. So my four is going to go right here. All right. And now Charles, if he has a four, he'll place his. He does not have a four, as I recall. So now my five will go next. And so my five now goes onto the board. Right here. And now any fives that he has, he will go ahead and place now. We don't really need to play it, so it doesn't matter if you have them locked or anything like that or placed. <clears throat> All right. 
All right, so my five is placed, oh, so right. your sixes, sir. So now my sixes go in because I am first player again, and then they will uh, they'll go down here and there. And then my mine are set, and then he'll go ahead and put his sixes down. And you'll just wait for your opponent to say, I'm set. Um, they might move their ships a little bit around in each initiative step. But once, uh, as a polite thing, once you've moved your ships uh, and placed them down in an initiative step, it's generally nice not to move them again. So once my four was placed, you generally don't want to pick it up unless you made a major mistake, in which point you can ask your opponent if you may move it. Uh, again, depending on the, the level of the game you're playing, it's possible that your opponent will say just fine. Don't worry about it. But uh, it is generally polite not to do so. All right. And now, uh, with this, we have actually set up our uh, our board for playing. So that is a setup phase in a nutshell. There are some things that do affect uh, setup phase, but there's very few of them, actually. Uh, we're going to co cover some of those, uh, actually, in the next segment. All right. Next, we're going to talk about our planning phase. Yes. Are we ready to go on to that, or was there any questions? I think maybe if you guys have questions, now is a good time. Yeah, I think, you know, and I think the one the one question for me is, and we will get into like ultra detail placement later on, but, you know, if you notice around here in the board where Charles and and Matt place their 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 icons. Yes, those are icons <laughs> on my computer there, but where they place their obstacles, the difference between each of these types of obstacles actually matters. And we're not going to get into what each one does, but if you look at the different sizes, the idea behind obstacle placement, things like that, is based on his ship. If his ship is placed right here and the obstacle's right here, he's going to fly into it. Henceforth, when they make their decisions on what obstacles you pick, it comes down to how you want them to interact. But I think the one thing, Matt, that um, we should cover, too, with that setup phase, right, is the timer, right? You have a timer. you if you're playing in person, it's different than online. And also, we want to get rid of, obviously, Somebody those those rulers and then, uh, um, for, for that. Uh, yep, uh, Chris is right. Uh, a tournament game generally is an hour and 15 minutes long. Uh, generally speaking, people kind of stick to an hour and 15 minutes. However, uh, your personal mileage may vary. You can actually play as long or as short as you choose. Uh, it's up to actually the players. Uh, but generally speaking, when you do play a game of X-Wing, it will be an hour and 15 minutes. But hey, let's say you want to play your son or your daughter or whatever it may happen to be, uh, and you want to give her as much time as it's going to take, you literally can uh, take as long as you'd like. Uh, you can take five hours if you want to play a game of X-Wing for five hours. But generally speaking, for tournaments, you're going to be looking at an hour, at an hour 15 solid, and it's going to be, generally speaking, kind of a tight one. So. That answers hopefully that question. And as Chris did explain, yes, each each obstacle is going to have its own properties and reasons uh, for basing them down. These, in this particular case, I think Charles and I just both basically threw them on the board uh, just to get them done. Just, you know, because we've already done placement obstacles a million times. Um, and then the other thing to know is if you look over each of your different um each of your different ships has different characteristics, right? They have different shields, whether they have force or not. Um, and so making sure you have the appropriate amount of tokens for your list is is a pretty big, 
big thing, and that's part of it. And and you know, like online play, and this is just my recommendation for online play is. I didn't think about that, guys. I'm so sorry. Yeah, there I, you I go. Forget. There's so, a good example right, right there. Um, so when you're setting up, yes, you you do need to know kind of what what your different uh, icons down here are. I forget that we are are kind of going basic. So uh, red is the denotes the number of attack dice that ship gets. Green denotes the number of defense dice that ship gets. Uh, and then the yellow denotes the um, and it has the same icon here. That means the whole value of the ship or how many damage cards you can take before it's destroyed. And then blue represents the shield. So for every blue, you need a shield token. And then if you happen to have a ship that is like this fifth brother here, I'll go ahead and rotate it and make it bigger for you guys. All right. So if you notice the purple icon down here, that right there denotes the amount of force. And that requires a force token, which looks like this one right here. Uh, those are normal. Uh, you also will have some things that require charges, which are usually a yellow icon. Um, various things, bombs, for instance. Uh, if they require a charge, they look like a lightning bolt, and they look like this one right here. I'm going to go ahead and make that one a little bit bigger. Uh, and that's your your, um, your oh, charge. I got it. There. It's on the screen. Uh, Don't worry. So uh, those are your, your most common uh, setup tokens. I think those are your only setup tokens other than like uh, some people use asfoil reminders. Uh, there are other things that people use, but the basic tokens that are in setup are going to be charge, shield, and force. And if I right. missed one, then it's rare. Let's put it that way. Well, we did have a wonderful question in our chat from John. Uh, John asked, uh, some of my opponents in a live game used movement tools to measure distance between ships during deployment. Is this okay rules-wise, and is it, is it considered okay by gaming standards? Do you care if I field this one? Yeah, do it up. Matt? So, if you're yep, using actual maneuver templates, the answer is no. You may not use those to measure space in between a ship. Your ships must be placed without any assistance whatsoever. The loophole in that rule is that if you take your your firing shot measuring range tool uh, and you put that down next to a ship to make sure that it is within range one of the edge of the board you can leave it down for when you place your next ship on the board within the edge of the board um, but for the sake of the rules to the best of my knowledge how i was taught to play is that you are not able to physically measure the distance between your ships uh, during the initial setup, it has to be based on kind of eyeballing it uh, yourself and, and knowing the, the distances in your head. There you go. Good question. Good question. Really good question. Uh, yeah, uh, I guess for setup also, you'll need your own set of movement templates and your own damage deck. I, I don't know like exactly how far back we're going to go on this one. So also you'll need to know if your ship has an arc indicator. Uh, some ships do have an arc indicator. For instance, uh, Charles has this, the, the Millennium Falcon there, and it has what's called a bow tie arc, uh, which looks like this um, right there. And then other ships might have a single arc, which will look like this one here. All right. Uh, this indicates which direction their either turret or their main weapon might happen to be facing. Uh, that's also very important. At setup, you do want to choose a direction when you place the ship down. Uh, you generally don't want to move that afterwards either. Uh, 
Uh, it can be moved through an action, but your very first setup, you do want to kind of, when you place it down, pick either forward, backward, or left and right. Sorry, four and a half. Let me at least do the ship terms properly. Uh, setting that down when you set it down in setup phase there. Tokens. Uh, yeah, I didn't know where what level to kind of bring this in at, so I kind of did a medium level on there. Okay, so I think that that covers setup, unless there's any other questions. Okay. Sure. So nope. now Move on that to we've got all of buddy. our ships down, we will join uh, and enter into what's called planning phase. Your first one you don't start the timer for, but all the rest of them are on the clock. So what is planning phase? Well, planning phase is... Right. It's the name, name of our show. Of our show. Obviously, that's that, and that's it. That's it. <laughs> no. Um, so it's, uh, it's, it's what kind of makes this game more dynamic. Because regardless of what cards you pick, what's in the meta, what may happen to be there, how it changes is what movements you and your opponents decide to do. Because even if... Chris and I, for instance, put the exact same ships with the exact same upgrades on the field or on the board, we're not likely to do the exact same moves. It is going to be down to how I play or how Chris plays uh, and what style of play we're going to play those ships at. Okay, So brass tacks and just basically what planning phase is, is it's setting your dials while planning your moves. So you plan your moves, you set your dials to make those moves. So Chris is going to show you dial here. All right. Uh, this is the dial for one of the, the V1s. And all of them are different, guys. So you know. Uh, they have the same chip chassis. Has the exact same dial. Regardless of who the pilot is. But different chip chassis have different dials. And different maneuverable uh, characteristics. Okay. So I'm going to quickly go over the differences in uh, the moves here. You'll see there's blue white and red okay so blue maneuvers remove one stress token from your ship after they've been well dialed in and moved you don't actually have to complete the maneuver to remove the stress the stress automatically comes off white maneuvers they also are remove, just... uh, sorry not to bump into you i apologize for over speaking uh not only stress but they also remove strain and deplete tokens as well any red also, square token that's assigned to your ship is a move, uh, removed with a blue maneuver one of each type yep as as charles just said one stress one strain and one and one deplete can all be removed by dialing in and performing a blue maneuver it does not have to be completed white maneuvers are just that they're standard average normal maneuvers then you have red maneuvers and these are the stressful maneuvers uh, in this particular case you have a k turn which is a ship going forward and then changing the direction of where the ship faces all the rest of these i think are pretty much self-explanatory uh, but I'll, I'll quickly go over them straight of course uses a straight template one through five uh, banks are soft some people will say one two and three they're just basically the the not hard turn and then you'll have the hard turns or hard or over hard overs depends on different people will say it different ways but those use the hard templates uh like these okay. uh banks use the templates like these there we go uh so that kind of explains those different ones 
The other things that are going to see is a K turn, uh, or I think it's called Corgan. Is that what it is? Corgan turn? Anyways, whatever. Everybody yeah, calls it K turn. Right. K turn. So, yep. So what it basically <laughs> means is you'll move forward that number of spaces. In this particular case, it's four spaces. You measure from the front of the ships, and then you'll turn it around facing the other direction. Talon rolls, that's what these little twos are. In this particular case, you use this two template. You put that up in the front of your ship, and what you do is you have the ship facing the opposite direction of where it started at the end of it. There is a little bit of movement in there. Uh, I'll let somebody go over that in a different phase discussion. Uh, I believe that that's part of that. Am I right, Charles? That is correct. Okay. All right, so you have all these different maneuvers. What you have to do is you have to decide where you want to go, where your opponent may go, and what uh, you want to do. For instance, um, do you want to bump this round? Do you want to maybe move fast and forward? Do you want to be aggressive? Do you want to be defensive? Uh, those are questions that we uh, would ask ourselves in this particular case. Uh, so... That is what you decide. So you decide where you want to end up, and then you dial in the maneuver of where you're going to go. Uh, you have to keep in mind, very, very important to keep in mind what order is, right? So this is a four. It would go first. This is a five. It would go next. And then my sixes would go. And again, you do this in alternating order and, again, ascending order. So your fours will move. Your opponent's fours will move. Your fives would move, your opponent's fives would move, your six, you'd get it, so on and so forth, all the way from one to six, okay? So if you have a, if you're up against somebody who has all sixes and you have all ones, your team will be able to move without bumping, without them having moved uh, to, to change where their ship is prior to where you're at. Uh, so this is a whole thing, lots and lots of strategy involved in this, really what planning phase is, is deciding where you want to go and putting that maneuver on your dial, right? As we're talking about this in real life, in this it's pretty easy. You just select the one you're going to select and then you hit set. But in real life, what you'll do is you'll dial it in. If you look at the dial, I'm going to go ahead and grab one. Probably a good idea to have to add this out. I will in a second, actually. Um, Oh, okay. Perfect. I can't right, see it. So anyway. on a dial in and of itself, you're not, you're, our pictures dial. aren't on the screen. You want to make sure that the move that you intend to do is centered on that dial. And then you <clears> perform <throat> the maneuver that it is that it that is is there. Uh so yeah. Yep. So I wanna I wanna add something too real quick. Um the big thing, you know, so when we talk about the planning phase and it's setting your dials, where do you wanna be? Part of that is understanding to some extent where your opponent's going to be. So as a beginner player, when I first started, this is a little story, and you'll probably hear this if you play in a more experienced player, but we had the group I started playing with, there was a guy that's been playing for, I don't know, how long has Phil been Never. playing for, Charles? Since release. Eight years? Pretty close, yeah, since release. Okay, so we'll just say eight years, I think. Yeah. And... The first time I played Phil, he goes, why did you make that move? It confused me. You're, you're not moving like a normal player. You're going to hear that a lot as a beginning player. And it like actually went out of my way to try to scope how to move my maneuvers on purpose outside of that normal bounce. So even though I've been playing for a year and a half now, 
my goal is, is how do I want to confuse the, the opponent? I know I want my ship to go here. His is going to do one of these crazy things I don't always know. And like, for example, the H, um, the HMP ship moves sideways. <laughs> you know, like, like, how do you predict that? It's like such a hard thing to predict all the time, right? So the idea is, is you want to either, you're, you have to set your goal in mind. Is your goal to annihilate your opponent? Sorry, I hit my mic. Annihilate your opponent. Is it to be more defensive? Is it to outmaneuver? And then all those things we'll get into at later episodes, but understanding where you, what your goal in mind is helps you set that. So if your goal is just to roll dice and shoot things, that's awesome, right? That was 90% of the time, that's my goal, just so you know. Like, even now, a year and a half later, my goal is I just want to annihilate a ship and feel good that it died. I just like to kill things, I guess. I disagree <laughs> with that at all. Time on target is important. That's what Chris is talking about. He's talking about rolling dice. Basically, what it, that means is, is the more uh, time on target, the more time you can have the front arc of your ship or whatever firing arc your ship happens to have facing at an enemy ship, without their arc facing back at you, uh, the better you do in general speaking. So, um, now something else in reference to uh, in reference to dials. Um, John and I were playing earlier, actually, in just a fun game. And um, not John from the podcast, but John who's in the chat. Um, and he had commented that he and his daughter in the beginning only had Empire and Rebel. They hadn't branched out into the Republic, the CIS, the FO, the uh, Resistance, or Scum. And he was not overtly familiar with the dials and what the other ship's capabilities were. Remember that in a live game as well as if you're playing on TTS. It is totally within the rules, and it is okay within the rules, to ask to see your opponent's dial. Or um, what I've seen some people do is they actually print out uh, the maneuver card so they can have them ready for reference while they're playing. Um, it's really hard to fly around and to kind of try and predict what your opponent is doing if you don't know what they're capable of doing. Uh, so remember, it is 100% to look at your opponent on the other side of the table and ask to see the dial so you know what the capability of the ship is. Just make sure you do before it before they, set, they it. set their maneuver. Well, <laughs> and even, you can do it even after they set their maneuver, just so everybody's 100% aware that just that person will probably remove the maneuver if they're smart before handing you the dial. They'll just spin it a few times and give it to you. You'll also hear a lot yep. of players ask, uh, what are your blues? Basically, what they're asking for is what the obviously the the different maneuvers that you can do to shed stress. That's a common ask uh, because sometimes people won't remember what exactly is a stress removing maneuver for you. And yeah, uh, you know, I mean, prediction uh, that is a definite part of planning phase. Planning phase is yes, it's about moving your ships and planning where to move your ships, setting your dials to move your ships. That's where it is, like the actual like what it is. But the like Chris said, you go into strategy now, right? Where they're going to be, how they're going to be, and how you want to play your list. Is it a jousting list? Is it a bombing list? Is it an aces list? These are all things we're going to go into later. It's definitely not time for that right now. Uh, but definitely, uh, the more time on target, the more time you can be pointing at the enemy ships, the better. Like Chris said, the more dice you throw the better you're going to do in general. Not always is that true, of course, but you know, it, it'll definitely help. Now, I may have missed it, Matt, and if mm -hmm. I did, I apologize for being an inattentive co-host. 
Um, I heard you go over what a white maneuver does. I heard you go over what a blue maneuver does. Hmm? And I heard you go over what a red maneuver does. Hmm. Did you go over what a purple maneuver does? Uh, no. Yeah. Okay. So uh, the newest ships, one of the newest ships that came out is an A to 2 Actis. Uh, I believe it's the only ship on the board that does a purple maneuver. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So um, literally, uh, yeah, Charles is talking about that one ship. Uh, if you anything that has a blue, a purple involved, uh, it basically means you have to spend stra- uh, force for it. So mm-hmm. uh, that's a force maneuver. If you don't have force to perform it, or we'll go into that later. That's a rules discussion. We'll go into another time. But basically, it means you have to flip one of your force tokens, which we talked about earlier. Uh, you have to flip or expend one of your force charges in order to perform that particular maneuver. And those are officially all that exist. I forgot yeah. about the force maneuver. Yep. To be fair, that's a very new ship. <laughs> All right. Do you have anything else you want to cover for planning Did you guys have any questions other than the purple maneuver? Nope. The only thing that I would like to point out, and this is something that I didn't learn until much later in my X-Wing career. It's a little bit of of X-Wing kind of tournament meta style. If you and your opponent are setting up in a jousting formation, um, so really looking at where the Millennium Falcon is in comparison to the red... Um, a TIE fighter that is on the board. I believe that's a, uh, I believe that's fifth brother. That's one of the TIE inquisitors. If you are going to be moving at each other, you need to know the distance between the ships. So if your maneuver chosen, let's say you choose to do a three straight plus your base, which is with the Falcon is two. So that's a total of five and your opponent's maneuver. Let's say they choose a five straight. And their base, which in the case of a TIE Fighter is 1, so that is 6. The 6 from the TIE Fighter plus the 5 from the Falcon would equal 11. If that total equation equals 11 or more, those ships will be shooting at each other in the opening round of combat as long as they are moving straight at each other. If you add in the angles of banked turns or hard turns, things like that, it gets a little wonky. But just as a rule of thumb, the rule of 11 is something that you need to think about during your first planning phase and whether or not you want to try and engage during the um, during that first engagement or if you want to hang back uh, so that you can, introl- you can control that engagement a little bit more. Uh, so that's just a little side math there. All right, so... Our next segment lead over, um, and at some point I'll create cool transitions on the screen, but that's going to come later in the show. Um, but essentially what it'll be is I wanted to talk um, our roll call segment, right? And our roll call segment is to kind of highlight different things that interact um, that you probably have never heard of. And so, for example, if you're a new player, and, and I'm, okay, I'm not even a new player, and I don't even like some of these cards because I don't know what they do because I've not seen them played. But if you're playing in casually, and I'll tell you what, it's funny, Friday when Matt and I were playing, a couple of these types of cards come out, and you're like, oh, I didn't even know you could do these things. And that's hence why I hate Torkoal Mux. Hashtag Torkoal Mux needs to die. But um, we're, and what I wanted to do is I wanted to highlight two upgrade cards that are crew cards that are in scum. And Charles will love this because of scum. 
but we're going to highlight these two crew cards because essentially they affect your setup and planning phase quite a bit. Oh, you, you did not have to do that, but okay. Um, so essentially to Beckett or Tobias Beckett, and I'm going to zoom in here, I guess. Tobias Beckett, what he does is after you place forces, you may choose one obstacle in the play area. If you do, place it anywhere in the play area behind range two. So, Charles, if you could put spawn some range two uh, templates, that would be amazing. Or a ship and beyond range one of other obstacles. And then we're going to let's move these cards down here for a second. And I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to let Charles choose. So Charles is a resident scum player anyway. That's true. Yep. And so you can see these are your range twos. So what's going to happen is in what you say? Can anybody toggle those rulers? There we go. There I, I can't, though. So I can't. I guess I can't. Yeah, there you go. Yep. So these rulers here, if you if you look at these, right? Um. This is essentially what you'd be using on a on an actual table, but we're gonna move remove these for right now. So what's gonna happen is Charles, I'm gonna let you pick an obstacle because his Han Solo actually came equipped with Tobias Beckett. Because I told Matt that was the requirement for this specific list is I want to fly Tobias Beckett, and we'll get into Boba in a minute. But I want to fly Tobias Beckett, and I'll be honest, I've never actually put him on the table, and so. This list creation right here is something that Charles and I or Matt and I will probably play in the upcoming months. This is saved in our little our little secret files. So with Tobias Beckett. I like I because I like to, Tobias Beckett. To recall here. After placing forces, you may choose one obstacle in the play area. If you do, it is a may. So if the rock placement ends up exactly how you want it, you can choose to not do anything with this card. Um, if you do, place it anywhere beyond range two of any board edge um, or ship and beyond range one of any other obstacle. So because it has to be it has to be beyond range two of any ship, you also are probably going to have to do some measuring in real life. This is a little bit different than it is uh, obviously in the game. Um, but knowing that I have to be outside of range two of any ship, and beyond range one of any other obstacle. So I want to take this debris field and I'm going to unlock it and I'm going to move it so that it is out of the tracking range of Han Solo. So I'm going to take it and I'm going to load it up right there. Now Han Solo has a very quick uh, route of traffic down to either the Grand Inquisitor or Fifth Brother on the other end of the map. Uh, giving me that clear lane and clearing up this entire side of the board uh, based on where those rocks were placed. Yeah. And see, and that's so Tobias Beckett, and I could be wrong. And Matt, what was Tobias Beckett's uh, uh, cost? I don't have that on my screen. I think he's two points, though. Two. Yeah. So for two points, it. If you have the ability, to, if you have an extra crew slot, and again, this is scum only, <laughs> but if you have an extra crew slot and you do want to be able to mess with the debris cloud type things, and and there's there's reasons you would want to do this for Han Solo, right? Because now he's got a clear path. 
if he if fifth brother comes in and jousts him, fifth brother Matt has yep. naked. They're mostly naked. Right? Matt. You have a where is fifth brother on your screen? Yeah. So fifth brother's naked, and he's gonna come in and he's got two attack dice and three green agility. Han Solo over here is gonna have a lot more. He's gonna have the two attack dice, plus he gets to roll an additional one for an uh, obstructing. So Charles could also move that that rock here, and he could well, we're gonna unlock it, and he could move it right here so that it opens up the lane for him to come through the center. Again, all of this is tentative based on you know how you all the original rocks are set up, right? But Tobias Beckett can actually be really strong, especially in a casual game. Because people don't always think about that. The next crew I want to talk about is Boba Fett. Because, like, and, and Boba Fett is your iconic Mandalorian wannabe that's, that is just ready for action. Everybody loves Boba. He's the thing. Here's the best part about Boba. If he is on your ship, your ship starts in reserve. Right? And so there you go. So his ship starts in reserve. And what that means is if it starts in reserve, you don't actually have to place it on the table. We're going to pull Han off and say, bye-bye. Matt placed all his stuff down. What if I want Han to joust? Can you flip up uh, range one rulers, <laughs> please? What if I want Han to come through and joust no. these guys over here? I got you. I could do that. But the best part about this whole thing is you can place yourself at range zero of an obstacle and beyond range three of any enemy. So, Matt, if you want to spawn your range three. Uh, just so you guys understand, the callback. On all of your ship's uh, ability is from the asteroid field in the Empire Strikes Back. Uh, when Boba Fett parks his ship in the asteroid field waiting for the Falcon to take off and then leaves the obstacle to chase the ship uh, unseen and unexpected. Yes. Genius car. This is what, this is why I like this show. There this show, this game too. I like our show too, but this is why I like this I game this is because I get to talk about all sorts of different like movie things. And like these, the people that create this game actually like the star Wars movies. You're not just playing a game where people are putting mechanics together. It's like, they actually like it. So he can now, be placed at range zero of any of these obstacles except for the ones in red. Because if he were to place here, that'd be pretty boom. I'm just going to come attack you. But if you do want your, if your goal is, is to move your Han Solo and get him, you know, going, you could place him on the very front edge here. He takes up the whole bloody obstacle. Oh my God. And you don't have to roll for any of the obstacles effects that is literally the best part about this whole thing. So you can, your Han Solo can go all the way up into right here. So if you want your Han Solo to just go and, and joust, you can put your Han Solo to joust. You could also, and then we're going to go back and remove this for a second. And Matt had that over here and I'm going to move the Boba Fett card because it's in my way. So Matt had that over here. So let's say, we want to place him at range zero. So we're going to move an obstacle. We're going to unlock this one. And I'm going to put it right 
here. And then I'm going to take my Hans. Oops. Well, that sucked. <laughs> All right, I got to set up my view again. Sorry, folks. Newbie at this TTS thing. <laughs> I apologize. Anyway, there we go. Almost, almost same way as what it was. So then if I want to, I can actually put Han here, just barely at range if I want. Or I could put him on this side, and I can't really see, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty on that rock. And then I could bank in or do this. I could also rotate him and put him on the rock. So that way, when I come through, I'm going to come through this right here, and I'm going to be able to use these clouds in either way, shape, or form to be able to shoot at these guys. So it forces them out of whatever we think Matt was originally going to do with his ships. I can't guarantee what Matt would do. I, I okay. I probably know what Matt will do with those ships. Um, but <laughs> that's because I played Matt for a long time. So Matt and I live very close to each other, and I've known Matt since high school. So, um, but you always want to make sure when you place the what, your ship that carries on or that carries Boba Fett on a rock, just make sure that your and here I'm gonna angle my thing so you make sure your ruler guide does not go through the rock. And then your first turn, you'll never have to take damage from that rock. And you're going to have this whole advantage of being able to be placed anywhere. Mm -hmm. So that's Boba Fett and Tobias in a nutshell. Any well questions? Done, any comments? The only thing I would say is another way that you could use Boba Fett to your advantage rather than just for the jousting aspect of everything. Um, especially for the scum list that was built on my behalf. Uh, having Captain Nim... Uh, which is a bomber ship, um, you can actually set him up to have the back end of his ship facing towards... Uh, so, for instance, like where that uh, fifth brother is, you could take Captain Nim and set him... like so... on... Yeah, it looks about right. So on this rock, so range you zero be on the rock, this bro. rock. I have, I know, I'm working on it. I'm just helping out. <laughs> I'm frozen. What happened? Oh, there we go. You locked them. There you go. So you could set up and have yourself. Well, heck, if you wanted to, you could even do this. There. Set yourself up outside of that range three bubble right there. And then if you look at the, he has proton bombs or proximity mines. We will get into bombs and mines on another time. Um, but if he is there, uh, then you have the capability to drop that bomb on the very first system phase, which is normally forgotten uh, during this time, uh, and actually maybe mess with some of their maneuvers since this happens after uh, or wait, Boba Fett happens at the end of setup, so before you enter planning. So you'd at least be able to know that it's going to potentially be there, um, but it is a scare that can keep your opponent from chasing after you. That's all I had yep. to add. So there you go. There's a proximity mine right there. Anybody flies through it, you get it. Seismic charge would blow up that debris. You know, there's there's all sorts of different things you can kind do of move with it. fast here, guys. So. Just because Boba Fett is in your list does not allow you to move any ship. 
You may only move the ship that Boba Fett is on. So what Charles is basically saying is saying instead of setting it up with Boba Fett on on there, you could set it up with him instead on Nim. Uh, but in this yep. particular Sorry case, Nim I does not have. Yeah, no worries. No, no, Nim doesn't have a crew slot because of uh, one of the upgrades. Because of Havoc. Havoc. Havoc trades the crew slot for an astromech slot. But we're it. getting way too intricate, so sorry about yes, that. Yes, we are. But yes, basically the thing to remember is Han, <laughs> uh, sorry, Boba Fett can only move the ship he's on. Yep. All right. Well, that was awesome. That's our first foray into the Academy 101 as well as the roll call segment. So I hope that provided you guys with some information that was actually useful and, and maybe can be applied during different uh areas of your play style in your in your regular game as well so this is my segment and this is probably my least favorite pilot and uh <clears throat> for um the system phase or uh john uh, when you eventually listen to this episode at some point in time, know that you have single-handedly helped fuel this rage uh, since I met you, uh, because he is your favorite pilot. <clears throat> but Sunter Fell is probably my least favorite pilot in the Star Wars universe. Now, speaking from a lore perspective, he ended up marrying Wedge Antilles' sister. Uh, so not only is he a horrible pilot, but he's also a turncoat and a traitor to the Empire. But... Going back to 1.0, oh, when he was in Initiative 9. Oh. Yeah, I told you guys, I'm going to get deep on these. Um, he was Initiative 9, and his ability in 1.0 was that whenever you received a stress token, you could assign a focus token to your ship. So if you did a 5 forward with a barrel roll and a boost for additional positioning, because you could do that then, um, the second maneuver being a focus maneuver or a stressed maneuver would give you a free calculate. That was powerful enough. But when we look at Sunterfell now in 2.0, at the start of the engagement phase, if there is an enemy ship in your bullseye arc, you gain a free token, a free focus token. Um, so keep in mind that that is not performing a focus action. You are acquiring a token. So that being said, if you get someone in your bullseye, you could spend your action to get a focus. And then at the end of the engagement phase, after everybody has moved, you could also uh, gain, or excuse me, at the start of the engagement phase, so after everybody has moved and before shooting, you could gain a second focus token. In addition to being able to, after performing an action, being able to boost or barrel roll, um, gives you insane reposition capabilities. Uh, it gives you insane capabilities to get behind, to get out of arc, and to do everything that you need to do there in order to make sure that that gets taken care of. Um, it allows you to be incredibly uh, nimble and dodgy and just stay out of everyone's arc while keeping them in your arc. He is an incredibly hard ship to chase down. He's even more hard to block because of the boosts and barrel rolls. Um, on multiple occasions, I have fought lists where he was the last, last surviving pilot. Uh, and turns around and wins the game uh, for my opponent. Um, I don't like him. 
Fenral is a much better pilot because Fenral is not scared. He doesn't have to be dodgy. He flies right at you. You know exactly what you're going to get, and that's a knife fight. And in my opinion, that makes him a braver pilot and therefore a better pilot than Suntirfell will ever be. And that is my tirade for the worst pilot in the Empire, the Baron of the Empire, Suntirfell. All right, so I'm going to unpack that a little bit. We're going to unpack that. We're going to unpack a little bit. No, I'm playing. So so the difference between, and it's a play style thing, I think. The difference between Fen and Soon's here, and I don't don't know. Can I bring two pilots up on a screen? I might be able to. The difference between the two is that Fen is an honorable pilot who protected people. And all Suntir Fell did was add to the oppression of the Empire. Period. End of story. All right. So there on the screen, you can see that we have Suntir and Fen. So they both have the same agility. They both have the same attack dice. The difference is Fen's linked actions, but his maneuvers are have to be done first, whereas Suntir gets either a double reposition or a semi-linked action. Both of them become red. Um, so they, they fly similarly the same. The difference between that is Fend gives you, when you defend, perform an attack or perform, I'm sorry, or perform an attack, you get an additional one die at range, you know, or an additional one die, and you may roll one additional die at range one, right? So, there's a couple of different things that Fen has that Soontir doesn't. So play style comes into it. So Soontir is a true ace. Fen is kind of a pseudo ace, in my opinion. And again, this is opinion segment, so this is just me ranting. I you like Fen. Don't get me wrong. I think Fen is a very good. Oh, well, it goes back at you, bro. But um, the uh, the difference between the two, right, is the fact that. Fen will come and joust. Fen is not as susceptible to reposition or to dying right away. So Soontir is. But as Charles says, Soontir has the ability to move around you. He has better maneuver ability, in my opinion, than uh, Fen does when it comes to blue maneuvers and things like that. And Soontir has the ability to kind of skirt around things. So it's, it's in my, like, I understand why Charles does not like him. I'll be honest, I have been annihilated by Soon's here on many occasions, more than you can imagine, probably. But my bigger thing with, with that aspect, right, is the fact that I like the Soon's here playstyle better, like Ben. And if we're going to give opinions, uh, Charles loves only scum, and therefore that's why he likes him better. I am in a way in a second here, so. So uh, Chris uh, kind of came up with a few different words there that I kind of want to go through. One was true ace. Um, true ace, just so everybody's aware. Sorry about getting the uh, microphone there, guys. Yeah, well, you know, true ace, uh, ace of legend, obviously it's in, it's on this card. Uh, but what Chris is talking about is, is it gives it Government the ability propaganda. to uh, double reposition. Uh, propaganda or not, uh, in this game, that's what we call an ace, and Soontirfell definitely has the ability to do it. So that does, in essence, make Soontirfell an ace and Fenrau not an ace. But 
They're both pilot six initiative, which you would consider an ace. So well, there you go. But really, it's a very, very big difference in play style. Chris read for you what it was. Uh, there's a there's another ability, the Concordia Faceoff, where at range one, uh, you basically get oh. a free evade uh, if right. you're in a um, if you're in a front forward arc, which has some few limitations, very few, but there are some there. But we'll basically say almost always you get a free evade at range one, so that makes Fen Rao hyper aggressive. His danger zone is range two to three. He wants to be close, and he doesn't care if he's pointing at you. He doesn't care if he's not pointing at you. Um, mm. Now, Sunter Fell, he does. He is also a big fan of range one because it allows his maneuvers to go well, but he really doesn't mind being at range two or three. What he really cares about is lining up that bullseye and not being in your arc. So where he... Like shines is, is that ability to kind of evade and move. So I understand exactly where Charles is coming from and why uh, the hatred can be there because you can sit there and you can maneuver uh, and in, all of a sudden uh, you you caught Sunter Valley's right in your bullseye. You did it, but then he's going to barrel roll and then boost and then he's going to have a shot at you and you're not going to have a shot at him. And in the hands of somebody like our friend John. <laughs> who is a very very skilled player um basically you end up with a phantom of a ship where you can never almost ever shoot at it uh the the bonus though is is that you can catch sometimes Sunter fell sleeping or bumping and in which case Sunter fell does pop pretty easy so i do like that but i do not uh, love how evasive it is. So I understand why Chris likes Sunterfell, and I understand why Charles hates Sunterfell. Um, <laughs> but really, his double reposition is what really makes it uh, the hardest bit there, and his free folk. Agreed. So, yeah. So here you go. Let's look at pricey. So Suntir comes in, or I'm sorry, Feng comes in at. 68 points. If we switch over, is 54. So that's also part of the reason Charles does not like him. So let's let's be fair. Ben costs a lot more points value than Soontir does. And Ben is just as poppable as Soontir is if you do not, if you make a mistake. So while there is, you still have the discussion of, you know, the ace, not ace, who drew ace, all of that gibberish, right? Is inconsequential to some extent because there's such a huge gap in points difference between the two. There really is. You know, I could tell you by flying Fen, <laughs> it would be very hard to lower his price much more, but that's because of the faction he's in. And now we're getting into like, you know, costs and all these other things, like what's more valuable. In fairness, I can run Sutir with a lot more other aces, like more powerful aces, than Charles is going to be able to run with them. And that's just because Sutir has been costed a lot lower. So. A bargain. Anyway. A devastating bargain. I don't know if that helps. He's a big... Well, the other thing he, is He also is, and the, I think the, there might be a point change at some point. The, the chassis itself on the Interceptor 
uh, allowing dual modifications, meaning that you could potentially take Suntir uh, and put a hull and shield upgrade on him. Uh, and for the same amount of points, basically at that point, I believe, let's see, 54 and a hull upgrade is points. 7 points. And a one, one point. 15 points. shield upgrade is... Yep, so for 69 points, Sunterfell now has 5 health instead of 3. Uh, whereas for still way more points... Well, how many points would Sunter... Or Fel, Fenra has Fenra 68 was... points and no ability to uh, fit a shield or hull upgrade. So just as an Correct. adviso, uh, there is no a possibility of actually adding more uh, to a Fenral, which... I mean, I don't really want to enter into politics, but yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, Fenton Rao doesn't need additional tools <laughs> to be a better pilot. I mean, wow. Well, and oh. then uh, just so everybody knows right. what he's talking about, so... is he's basically saying he's better than John uh, in this particular case. Uh, good. I think that there's going to be a scrimmage match. Hey, speaking of John, uh, system phase is in. Uh, bragging about how Suntir needs, uh, needs upgrades to live, whereas Fen is just better. So I want this noted that at 9.52 p.m. on the, what is today, the 28th day, tw 30th day of May in the year of our Lord, 2012. Wow. Went all biblical and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> John admitted that Suntir needs, needs, not can have needs upgrades where Fen does not need upgrades because Fen is a better weapon altogether. Fen's 2021, not 2012, John. Leave me alone. All right. All right. Fair enough. So you have it. There's our very first what turns our dial. Just wait till we get to the Torkel mugs. That's going to be a fun, fun episode. Might yeah. need a parental warning for that one. Maybe. SSA, we're going to do a constructing the Death Star. And I believe, I believe, who did we do last week? We did Charles last we week. I was in the owner's seat of that now one. Let's see. Do um, I have your squad saved? I have my squad saved. One I don't moment. know if I saved your squad. Or, oh, yep, I did. So just, I got it right here. Don't worry. Right. It wouldn't matter if you did or not because I can't bring your screen up on mine. But I can send you the link. And you could. It's not. Now it's right. freezing. Uh, if there I it goes. remember correctly, it was. Essentially, we had a Hawk with Kit Fisto, Obi Wan in the Delta, Ahsoka Tana. In the Delta and Rick Olay in the Naboo Starfighter. So today, what we're going to do is it's going to be match turn because the first match between these two Titans is going to be Charles versus Matt. Going down. And so, if I remember right, Matt, you and I picked the nope, faction, we him, yeah, right, we were for Charles. To get a veto. Uh, we gave him a veto. To... Okay, so. All right, Matt, go ahead and pick your faction no, with Charles I actually, and I getting a veto. I think that this will actually please both of you. Uh, I believe I'm going to go with CIS. That's what I would have picked for you anyway, so it's okay. 
But one, it's uh, not um, something all I right. actually play. Uh, we uh, will go with CIS. That's why I'm picking this. So it's going to be definitely a challenge for me regardless. So not only will I be getting some stuff thrown at me, I will actually to, um, rely on some of the expert of uh, Chris and uh, Charles on this one too. And then also, I mean, who else is going to decimate the Republic but CIS? All right, so that is where we are. So you're going to be flying against Jedi's, and we're going to let. Yep, we're going to let Charles go first. Why don't you pick a ship, Charles? Something you think. You think Matt should have to fly against? This is kind of unfair. You're going to be able to pick things you think are going to be not good against your list. I mean, we still we're going to see. We're going to see. No, no, that is not what I will do. I'm going to pick things that I've never seen, just like we did with my list, that I think would be fun to play on the board. Uh, so for your first pilot, Matt, uh, I think All we're right. going to go with uh, Count Dooku in the Sith Infiltrator. Ooh. All right. I've never seen one of these fielded uh, on right. the table. That's or crazy. I've never so, flown Count Dooku. Personally, I prefer Maul in there. Oh. Can I trade it to Maul so by Count any Dooku. chance in this world? You can. Put so Count you have Dooku your veto. You could spend your veto on the ship or on the pilot. But this would be your veto if you want to spend that. Well, I mean, I'm just saying, if I go to Maul and I put Dooku as crew, would that be acceptable to you? Well, the reason I picked Dooku as pilot is so I didn't have to worry about Dooku crew. So, <laughs> well, I'm definitely using my veto and I'm going to change that actually to Maul. And I'm putting Dooku as crew on there as my little right. addition. All right, Chris, your turn, sir. So Maul and the Sith Infiltrator flying with Dooku. Yeah, so so everybody knows Maul gets three fourths already, mm-hmm. and Matt just added a fourth to it. After you perform an attack, you may spend two fourths to perform a bonus attack against a different target. So Matt's going to always, it's, it's essentially like a Zam, Zam pilot without it being a Zam pilot. Um, for that, so I'm gonna give you a ship. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna build uh, Darth Maul out because I know how to build him out to decimate Charles' list. So we're not gonna do that. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna go something different. And and so some of me says we should pick a HMP droid gunship, but I, I I think I'm not gonna do that because that would be what I would want Matt to have to fly. Yeah, no like because he definitely HMP will struggle struggle with on that one. <laughs> all those weird. Yeah, and there's so there's a lot of different things with that that I don't think that is worth trying to get. And I'm not going to pick a fire spray because I don't don't how to run a fire spray. I am. I'm going to pick a hyena, the hyena class bomber, and I'm going to give him a specific pilot called DBS 404. DBS 404 says you can perform primary attacks at range zero. No. Note this. This is amazing because he can perform primary attacks at range zero, but it doesn't mean his opponent can also. So Zeb crew in Rebels allows you to perform an attack at range zero as long as your opponent gets to do the same thing. This guy, he can fly up in there and not let you shoot him at range zero. So he essentially is a, a, has the ability to block if he wants. Um... And all sorts of crazy stuff. So I'm gonna make. I, I want you to fly DBS 404. I like. I like this droid. Other than he likes to pop. 
but I like this guy right, a lot. So now, um, I'm, I want to add another another item. I want to add uh, hate. I'm going to actually add hate to Darth Maul uh, for, for my ad on that one. And I believe I I'm done fair. touching that ship. So I think we're just going to leave it be. Show um, me, show me where on the ship. <laughs> it was a hateful <laughs> touch. Don't even. Do, ah, well done. It was, it was, all right. It was a hateful touch. It was this. All right, Charles. Trigger, all right, come uh, on. T- trigger warning. It um, might have been all of these, like you know. You know what? I'm going to put a ship in there that I have flown against, uh, and was surprisingly stout until it wasn't. Um, let's go ahead and throw a tri fighter in there. Oh my, this is going to be it. And because I've never played against it, and I actually want to play against it, mm-hmm. I'm going to put the Fearsome Predator pilot in it so that you can use the Fearful Prey condition on one of my ships. All right, and I think, actually, this is the one where... Can I not do that upgrade where it's... Isn't... Oh. Uh... You got to be more specific about the upgrade. Hold on a second. There isn't there a one where you can make it so you get double focus, but you can't use. Isn't there one where you, it's a standardized? Yep. It's called independent phase? calculations. So in. Oh, oh my yep. god. So in. The, no, let me explain real quick. Just so. I'll do the intercept. Uh, okay. Will be the thing I add to that. All right. So the in, the inception the in, intercept boost booster card. Essentially, what that does is you get three turns, and what it does is allow you to do a slam action. So if you go two forward, you can do another maneuver of of two, and so the rule of two. <clears throat> Thank you. And it allows you to do that for three turns. And I will tell you if you um want to see pictures of it. We didn't do record any video, but I actually played four. Tri Fighters and Grievous at our the last in-person event I was at last weekend. And I will tell you what, did it do very well? It's not the best. Is it amazing um, to fly? Yes. And I will tell you, because this Incept boost allows you to flip the card. So you can do your slam action, take your disarm token, get close, and then decide, nope, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to use the slam and just flip the card and you're done with it. You're just done. So you can use it once, twice, or three times. Up to you. And so what I did with all mine is I moved four of my ships and I wish I had TT up to, TTS up, but I don't, but I, I moved four of my ships. Um, so I lined them up on one side. Somebody lined up to joust with me. I moved them to the opposite side of the board and then came in and forced them to come through the middle of all the rocks and obstacles. I forced that twice. <laughs> I did that because it's like, Hey, you aren't going to catch a, you know, a six speed ship. You can match it, but you ain't going to catch it. And so that was kind of the power of this list is I could come in and maneuver around you. What Fearsome does, and, and Charles is right, this is a little bit more expensive than your base. After place forces, choose and put one fearful prey condition on an enemy. And that says after you defend against an enemy with fearful, fearsome predator, if you did not spend at least one green token during that attack, Gain one strain token. So that means they have to spend a mod. So if they roll next, spend their mod, boom, it's done and over with. They they take a strain token. And be, 
you are an I3, so I will tell you that's a little bit of a heartache. And maybe that's why we got to give you a couple I1s, you know, in there. Maybe we should put some standard I1s in there. Because if we don't, Char Matt's not going to be able to use that half the time. And again, I don't remember. Let's go look at Charles. <laughs> I'm going to cheat a little bit. We're going to go back to Charles. List. He's a four, five, three, and five. So that actually will probably trigger Charles, in fairness, almost every round. You have to spend a green token, not a force token. An actual green token every round to do this. Yep. All right. So my turn. So if we're going to do this, we have two options. We could either go with Grievous, which I'm, I'm debating on going with Grievous, or I'm debating with just saying, I really think Matt should have to fly a vulture. And we could put a vulture in here, and we could put Discord missiles on them, which are good. But at the exact same time, Charles is flying stuff that can maneuver those. But for one churn, it's a crit, right? So you could fly two of those and have two bowl if you want with Discord. We don't have room for Discord missiles on two of them. We can see what we can but, Um, You do. Discord, You're at 200 flat. Discord missiles, five points apiece? Nope, I still four. Don't. Put the intercept booster on the fearsome predator. Oh, okay. All right, I forgot to put that on there. So, all right, so we're going to go ahead and remove that. And we're going to probably go ahead and remove that um, Trade Federation drone. Say, um, honestly, it's probably not worth it. And honestly, drones. you're... And that would give me a chance to put the landing struts and... Um, and also the the grappling struts on the drones, uh, the droids, and that would be something I would be willing to do if somebody's. If you guys are fine with that, then I can throw one set of Discord missiles on something. You could. You could, or you could switch out and we could do a heat a hyena class bomber, right? I do have the bomber, and then you would have two bombers, and we could either say you're going to do a Bactoid. Bomber, if you'd rather be more missile oriented, we got 19 points to you're, play you're, you're with, man. Keep the solar uh, at our landing. The, the thing I got 17. You want me to have a trade federation drone, correct? Yeah. Oh. No, I, I actually, I, I'll be honest. If you're not going to run two of them, one of them probably not. Like you're probably in CIS, you're probably better off to have toys than you are to just throw ships with nothing the on bomber, them because they're gonna the only advantage you're gonna get it fill them out with some some more stuff so for me a bomber is is a little, probably a little bit more yeah so do you want the bomber carry i'm sorry you guys are breaking up on Bactoid bomb. so the back toy so the back toy prototype is more of a missile carrier than a bomber or you could go with the Separatist drone, which is a bomber and a missile carrier, or you could go with the Techno Uno bomber, which is a, a, a one, right? These. It depends. Do you want to keep within your three and with fours with, with that? If that's right with you guys. And then okay. I'm kind of looking to fill things out. Are you guys cool with me adding landing struts to both of the bombers? 
you have right, to. So you, I have, you, you have uh, to. 17 points. And now, Charles, I need you to pick something to go on this list. We have 17 points, multiple slots. I'm thinking it needs more teeth, but that's just me. What would you like me to add to any of this? Oh, you're muted. You're muted, bro. A thousand apologies. Your Discord. No worries. There you go. So you will have to excuse my questions, as I don't mm -hmm. fly CIS except for the fire sprays. Yeah, I'm with you. Can they carry the Discord missiles? They can. Put those there. Well, how many points are a Discord missile? I don't know. Four. Maybe able to put them on two ships. I'm guess Four. I'm gonna go ahead and do that on two of them. Then. Discord missiles on both of the bombers. I think that's a solid play. What do you think, Chris? You're the CIS player. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It, it, that just, it, yes. So the answer is yes. So with DS404, though, you're because you're going in with your primary attack, you probably don't want to have the um, you probably don't want to have like a bunch of missiles or anything on them, but you could put, put a payload put on them. The Discord missiles on the, the droid tri fighter then. Would that be better? Yeah. It is, and it's not. You putting it on... So here's the problem with that. Your droid tri-fighter okay. gets a focus. Um, really? Can have a focus action. It doesn't say focus. It only says calculate. Hmm. Yeah, the fearsome predator... I need to go look at my card. Calculate. Oh. With network I, calculations, it can change a focus result to a uh, mm -hmm. to an evade or a, uh, a hit from someone else's calculate token, but it's a droid. They don't get focus that I'm aware of. Fearful Prey uh, basically allows you, so if anybody's curious, the Fearsome Predator allows you to assign the title Fearful Prey, which means after you defend against an enemy, uh, Fearsome Predator, so this Tri-Fighter ship, uh, if I did not, if you don't spend your green token, you must lose. Um, you must gain a strain token, which can be nice. Yeah. So you're right. So I'm sorry. You're right. The the it doesn't have the focus. It has the the calculated on it for it. But you could. There's your card right there. So it has a calculate or it has the boost calculate. Um, with it, so I I don't know, you know that the problem becomes is that what were we talking about? Um, oh, you could it just makes it a bigger target. That's all, and you will not be able to you will not be able to use like so if you put Discord here, you put them on this. What it looks like, you will not be able to um, you if you you will be able to launch them. Yeah, I I, I guess that's a, probably fair. Let's take them off four oh four and put it on here. You will be able to launch them even with the, your disarm token. The problem is, is that if you slam, you will not be able to get a disarm or get a calculate. So you can only use those at the very end. Fascinating. That's why a lot of that's why I don't run them on them personally. So the question being, if we want, well, I mean, I don't know if I'd really do that. Um. All right, so. How uh, would you guys? I, I'm I'm thinking of adding some sort of bomb to uh, the infiltrator, like uh, thermal detonators. 
and then maybe on 404. Thermals well. are always good. They have the yeah, have so, four charges, so there's nothing wrong with thermals. You can't go wrong with thermals. I think on I think I want to put them on all of the bombers as well. Uh, so, yep. So I'm gonna I drop the discords okay. off the fearsome predator for a second, all the just for a second. I'm gonna drop them off all of them for a second, and just say. Yep, just for a second. And they say, here you go. Now you have both thermals, thermals on, on the here. Infiltrator. It so allows you to... Is what I have. You cannot... Oh, on the infiltrator. Oh, okay. Yep, okay. I see. I see what you're saying. Yep. Now you have eight points. So now you can run if you don't want to bid. And I would recommend in a friendly game, fuck the bid. Um, but you could run two Discord Fire missiles Fire. if you would like on yeah. two ships now. So I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of of the opinion that I, I do want the, them on my uh, bombers. Cause I have a feeling I'll put the bombers next to one another. So if it were me, I would probably yeah. put discords on the two bombers, which I'd probably run as a two pack, even though they don't have the same initiative. Um, and then I, that's probably what I'd do. So that's, yeah, that's where I'd put it. And I would agree with you personally. I would not run I mean, it on that tri fighter. interesting because you're going to come just in behind people. it and stuff like that. But I think that's, I think this is where I would sit. Would you like me to run my list down? All right, guys. So I've decided yeah. on Darth Maul and the Sith Infiltrator for those lovely, lovely double taps. Uh, Darth Maul is going to have Hate, Thermal Detonators, and Count Dooku. Uh, the Hyena class a droid bomber with uh, DBS 404 running thermal detonators, landing struts, and discord missiles. Uh, the droid tri fighter, fearsome predator with the intercept booster. The Hyena class droid bomber, separatist bomber with thermal detonators, discord missiles, and uh, landing struts. Uh, so I really quick wanted to go over landing struts and. Um, uh, basically, just landing struts in this particular case. Uh, landing struts is also what's the other one? What's the other one called? Chris? What the in terms of what the the, the vulture form of uh, landing struts? Right. Oh, you want to be know, able to I land on a rock? The card That's what you're saying. Basically, it allows you to overlap and land yep. on. Grappling struts. There it is. There. It's called grappling struts. Uh, so landing struts and grappling struts, same thing. Uh, basically yep. allows the ship to land, and it must land on a rock at range zero. Uh, it must be either debris or an asteroid, and basically that ship can sit right on that rock, and it can perform actions, and it can fire. You can't go over it with the landing struts, but you can sit on it with the landing struts. No more than two ships per asteroid, please. Anyways, um, and then no more than two rules, ships per asteroid. What are you it. talking about? But then again, <laughs> I mean, there's just no room. There's just you no room. Have. They're just rocks. Oh, anyways, uh, thermal detonators basically are bombs that allow you to drop uh, at uh, two bombs in the same system phase. Uh, it must be with two different templates, and you can use a two drop for thermal detonators. Uh, on those, uh, you will go into them later, but basically you roll a dice. On uh, focus, you get strain, hit, and crit. You take damage, hit is a hit, crit is critical damage. Uh, and then Discord Missiles allows you to shoot 
a buzz droids out uh, using a calculate token. Is it not considered attack, Chris? You said you can use even while disarmed. Yes, really? this is not an attack. I did not know that. That is fascinating to me. Yep. Yes. Because to my understanding, and I could be wrong because I'm new, but to my understanding <laughs> is disarm only affects attack. Technically speaking, this Discord missile right here, at the start of engagement, you may spend something to launch a buzz droid swarm, which is essentially, if you were to go to TTS, is essentially considered a remote. So you're launching a remote, not in an attack. If it was an attack and it hit you, you would then your buzz droid would actually have to attack you first. Now, I'll be honest, I've never done this because that's a, such a new ship. But now like you, you got me thinking. Now I can run five of those things. Damn, that's what we're gonna do. Maybe I should build a five collider list with three with discard missiles and three with or two with um uh, what should I call it? Uh, cluster missiles or ion missiles or something like that. All right. Well, I mm, do have to ask. Man, I'm excited now. now. <laughs> Sorry, Charles, but uh, oh, you're good. What's up? How 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 afraid are you now? Because you must realize that you're going down, sucker. And uh, I mean, all the smack is being talked right now. Uh, did you ask how afraid I was? Uh, yes. Yes. Obviously. That's how unafraid I am that I forgot the question that you asked about two right. seconds after you asked it. He's so afraid. It's actually oh. like running out of his mind as he's trying to find an escape route from the conversation and any other way he can escape this fight. All I will call, I will call back to how many All times right. the Jedi have defeated the droid army in every prequel ever. Um, I'm not worried about your droids. Don't worry about it. Sure. Just remember what happened to the Jedi army. You might be able to defeat a few separatists, but you're going to get eliminated by Order 66. Really don't have a chance. That's fine, that being no, said, there's no, hey, there's no clones in his list. I'm good. <laughs> uh, anyway, thank you all for joining us tonight for another episode of Planning Phase Syndicate. If you like what we do and you want to uh, help us out, Go over and click that little bell button in YouTube. Click the follow button in um, Twitch, because I can't remember the name of the damn thing. Go over to our Facebook, subscribe and like, and you will be able to get a hold of us uh, every show that we go live. Who was able to claim the first set of these tokens, or the second or third set? I'm all in on it. Anybody claiming any of them. Uh, we will go over that in episode three. So there you go. Episode three. I'm sorry. I'm, I don't have it. I'll oh, be honest. No I just don't have the multitasking capability right, well, to roll that right did, now. Yay, sorry. If not, ooh, no, I'm just joking. But we will be back with another episode of Planning Face Syndicate next week. And um, thank, you. thank you all for joining us.